Welcome to Wadcast. I'm Charlene Gianetti, editor of Woman Around Town. Perhaps you've had this experience, visiting a foreign country where you can't speak, read, or write the language. Well, recent arrivals to the United States experience that sense of isolation, which can prevent them from engaging with their neighbors, getting a job, and helping their children succeed in school. Fortunately, there are people eager to help. Amy Lamb is Executive Director and Susan Eggelstein, Events Manager for the Literacy Volunteers of Somerset County in New Jersey. There are organizations like LVSC all over the country, and Amy and Susan are here to talk about how their volunteers are advancing the cause of literacy in their community. Amy and Susan, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We're really excited about this. Our pleasure. So let's start with each of you telling us a little bit about how you became involved with the Literacy Volunteers of Somerset County, New Jersey. Amy, why don't you go first? Sure. So um, I've been involved probably for about 20 years, um, and I first started as a volunteer. Uh, my daughter, uh, firstborn, had just, uh, she, would, she turned one, and I was a stay-at-home mom, and I was looking to get a little involved in the community and out of the house, and um, I saw an ad for uh, becoming a literacy tutor, and I, I thought that sounded interesting. I actually had an aunt who uh, ran a literacy program in New York State, and so I knew about it, and I went through the training, and I really enjoyed it, and I worked with a student um, probably for about two years who was learning English as a second language, um, and it was a great experience. He had um, a daughter who, I think she was in fifth or sixth grade, and she had to do all the translating for him. Um, he worked multiple jobs. He was Polish, and um, he worked multiple jobs. He didn't have much time to learn English, and so uh, she, she did all his translating, and uh, my favorite story from that time was when, um, you know, he used to call the house. It was before we had cell phones and um, back in the, in the dark ages. And he would call the house um, to set our appointments. And my husband would answer the phone and not be able to understand him. And after about a year of working together, um, you know, one time my student called the house again and my husband actually could have a conversation with him. And that was something that we had worked on together. So it was, I felt like there was a lot of, that was important progress um, for my student. But anyway, after that, I I, um, I got involved with the board. Of, uh, we're a nonprofit organization, and I started volunteering on the board, doing some fundraising work. And I soon became the president. Um, and when I was ready to go back to work, I decided to be a uh, grant writer because I really enjoyed the nonprofit environment. I have a background in business. And I found that I could apply my business knowledge in the nonprofit world. Um, so I became a grant writer, and when and I did some grant writing as an employee for Literacy Volunteers in Somerset County. And when the executive director position opened up, I applied for it because I knew that this would be a really great job for me, and I, I absolutely love it. So um, that's that's the kind of the answer to your question. That's Susan? that's great, Susan. Uh, well, I also became involved because I was a stay-at-home mom and looking for something to do. I was an English major creative writing, and I was in publicity and publishing, so I thought that literacy was right up my alley. But just crazy enough, Amy and I were both in the same tutor training class 20 years ago. Of course, we didn't know each other. Uh, so I was a volunteer tutor uh, here off and on. Uh, I would, I've worked with three or four different students. 
I also ran a small class at lunch hour in a factory in Branchburg with the uh, men who were working there. I ran a conversation group at the Brownburg Library. And so when uh, I was offered a job to come in and handle the program here, I really jumped at it. And then uh, my love is doing uh, events and parties. And so I'm also doing the fundraising as well here. That's great. Well, now, uh, each one of you has been with the group for quite a long period of time. Uh, how have things changed? And, and do you believe that we have a literacy crisis going on in America right now? I would say how things have changed for our organization. Um, we were founded in 1981 uh, to help American-born adults who couldn't read. And so the training that was given to volunteers was to help people learn how to read. And over time, the demographics of our area, like many areas, have changed dramatically. And now um, probably 99% of the people coming to us for services are people who are looking to learn English. Mm -hmm. so, um, so we help people learn to read, write, and communicate in English. And we still help American-born students who are looking to learn how to read, but they're not as many. And I believe that's because the school systems are doing a much better job of identifying um, learning disabilities and reading disabilities early on, and I, I think that's helping a lot of students uh, graduate high school, at least in our area, um, able to read. But we still do get students that were born here in this country speak English and cannot read, and, and we are prepared to help them. Um, as far as do I think there's a crisis, um, I think that I, I usually reserve crisis for kind of life or death situations in my own mind. Um, so I wouldn't call it a crisis, but I think that, um, you know, there are, there's definitely many people in our country who would be much better off if they could read, write, and communicate in English. So I think that by improving their literacy skills, they um, are, are getting the foundational knowledge they need to prevent crisis and prevent, you know, going into homelessness or, um, you know, losing a job or not having a job that... Um, provide income that sustains their family. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are some who might say that people who arrive here, you know, uh, recent, who have arrived here recently don't want to learn how to speak, read, and write uh, English, that they are more comfortable uh, staying in their own neighborhoods and uh, speaking their native language. Do you find that that's true, or is there a real desire to uh, learn English? Well, you know, we see the people that want to learn, so they're coming to us. Um, we always have a long list of students looking for services, so we feel very positively that people want to learn English. Um, and we recognize there are people out there who are not coming forth to learn. Um, and I think that, um, you know, learning English is hard, and it requires a lot of work, and I think that some people have more aptitude, I know that some people have more aptitude to learning a language than others, um, and so um, I think some people are just scared to do it. I don't know that they don't want to do it. I think they're scared or embarrassed or lack the confidence, um, and many people, you know, had a bad experience in, in their younger years with education. So the thought of, as an adult, coming forth to try to learn another language is um, challenging um, for them. We have people coming into our office every day who are 
working more than one job, raising kids, and still trying to take the time to learn English. So we really see the people who are uh, incredible in terms of wanting to um, improve their situation and help their children with their homework and be able to speak to a doctor or get a better job. We often see people coming who are who were doctors or veterinarians or uh, economists or professors, and here they need to work at Wendy's or drive an Uber until they learn the language. Mm, interesting. So uh, do you have uh, people who are illegal coming to you, and, and how do you handle those situations? We, from, from the very start of our organization in 1981, we um, we decided that our services would be offered um, without regard to um, any documentation uh, at all. So mm-hmm. we don't know. Um, I, I would say that we know that in the past couple of years, certain students that we had been working with um, have kind of disappeared. So we don't know what happened. So, um, you know, I, I think that most of the people that we work with are documented, but we that, that is not a requirement of our program. Our, our program is to help people that are living here who want to learn to read, write, and communicate in English. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how do increased literacy rates benefit a community? Well, I would just say in every way, from the smallest things to being able to speak to your neighbors to the bigger things like getting a better job and being able to give back um, and be a part of the community. And we see uh, parents come in with five-year-olds who have to do all their speaking for them and handle everything for the family. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure to put on a five-year-old. Sure. So I just, in terms of the dynamic in the family itself and then the dynamic uh, in the community, uh, in the work that the person can do, in every way it helps to be able to communicate in English. So someone's coming to you. Take us through uh, the intake process. They come to you, and what services do you offer them? Well, we, we basically offer three separate um, programs right now. So our main thing is either one-to-one or small group tutoring. So a student will fill out an application, and then come in and take a small English assessment test so that we know basically what level they're at. Um, and they tell us when they're available. We then, um, three times a year, we do a training for volunteers in the community who want to become volunteer tutors. We have a four-week training program about how to work with adults, how to work on real-life, everyday uh, issues. You know, we're not working with people on past perfect, you know, grammar. We're working on everyday things that they need to improve their life. Um, Basically, then we match tutor and student by when they're available and at what library they can meet. And they generally meet once a week for an hour or an hour and a half. And we work on, like I say, very small individual goals. It's a very individualized program. Whether you need to be able to communicate with a doctor or whether you're working on your resume or trying to get a GED. It depends upon the student. Mm-hmm. And the main thing we can see is one-to-one tutoring. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of conversation that, that goes on in the one-on-one tutoring? 
Oh, yes. You know, conversation, speaking and listening is the two most important things. And like you say, some of these students live in areas where they, everyone speaks Spanish and work in places where everyone speaks Spanish today. And so they really take advantage of this time with their tutor to be able to speak in English and ask the, the tutor any questions that they have about, you know, living here. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is that there's a trust that comes between the tutor and the student and their relationship. We've seen really, really wonderful relationships form. The, the other thing I would just add is, you know, a lot of our students um, lack confidence um, in speaking and, you know, meeting with a, a, um, someone and being able to talk to them and feel like you're not going to be um, ridiculed or feel silly um, helps build confidence incredibly. And a, a lot of times when people, when students call our office asking for services, you know, sometimes it's difficult on the telephone to understand each other. And Susan, I try to be uh, extra patient, and very often, you know, you can tell that you can hear the relief in their voice that we're just, we're being kind, and we're not going to hang up, and we're not going to get angry because they're having a hard time communicating, and I think that's what our, our tutors are very nurturing like that, and they, they make the students feel comfortable, like, you can do it, you know, and, and you're being understood, so, um, and, and that makes a big difference. And how do you train the volunteers? So um, we have three trainings per year, and they're uh, they're conducted by a professional trainer, and it's uh, done over a period of four weeks. And um, I think, as Susan mentioned, you know, we really work on uh, uh, the volunteers are taught, you know, how to work with adults because teaching adults is very different than teaching children. Um, and then we focus on the different skills: reading, writing, and um, Speaking. And then we also really talk about how to develop a lesson plan because our tutoring uh, program, there's not one set curriculum. So each tutor works with their student on that student's real life need. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll identify that during the first few weeks of tutoring and then, and then move forward with um, lesson plans that are targeted toward the student's goals. And how long a period would a volunteer work with a, a client? I mean, how, how long would that go on? Well, we generally ask the volunteers to um, commit to working for a year. For a year, and okay. So that's what we guarantee our students, one year working together. But, of course, many students, it doesn't go a year. Maybe they've moved or their schedule changes or they've accomplished the goals that they set out for themselves, and then we'll give the tutor a new student. Mm-hmm. And some of our tutors and students that work together long past a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and many of them end their tutoring, but then they don't end their friendship and they'll occasionally get together or they'll call, the student will call with questions or concerns or if something wonderful has happened in their lives. So um, so some of these relationships go on for a long, long time. What do the volunteers get out of the program? So much. One thing we hear from the volunteers every day, that they're getting more out of it than their students. Number one, it's an opportunity for them to meet people that they might never uh, meet in their everyday lives and hear about, um, you know, different families and different situations. But they just feel so, um, very 
rewarding. It's a, it's a very rewarding experience because you're working directly with someone and you're impacting their, their life. So, um, but you also have to put a lot into the volunteer experience. Um, so it's not something you just show up for and leave. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're uh, directly impacting someone and you're also learning a lot about someone else's culture and seeing kind of, you know, how we're all different, but we're all really the same at the end of the day. Um, and so, you know, a lot of a lot of our volunteers um, are retired, and this this is this is a really great experience. Something for them to feel like they're giving back and also feel engaged and motivated. Um, and it's we really have, uh, especially with our most active volunteers, a very strong community. They they really lean on each other for support and uh, share resources and that kind of thing. Do you have enough volunteers? We never have enough volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> we have, um, we we do have um, full classes of, of training volunteers, but we can always use more people to help because the students keep coming too. Uh, I wanted to say that in addition to the tutoring, we also have conversation groups that are going on at most of the local libraries, and this has just exploded in the last couple of years. So these are free groups, uh, and they're open to anyone. And um, it's just a conversation group. And some of these groups have people from 20 different countries in them. And they have, they're very enjoyable and they're a great way to practice your English, build confidence, make friends. And, um, uh, and our students just absolutely love them. Hmm. Uh, you know, so literacy obviously can be the stepping stone to so many more opportunities. What are some of the examples that you've seen? What do these students go on to do? I mean, obviously, some of them just go back to their neighborhood and they're happy they can talk to their neighbors and doctors and people in the grocery store. But are you seeing a lot of them going back to school, uh, you know, doing getting other jobs? I mean, what's the, the path after they leave your program? Yeah, so it really depends on the person, and you know, some um, some go go on to get different jobs. Um, an example is um, thinking of one particular woman who was working at um, a fast food restaurant in the back, and she did not like that job at all. And she um, she really built up her confidence and her speaking abilities, and practiced with her tutor. Um, interview skills and interviewed for a job at a retail store, at TJ Maxx, I think it was, mm-hmm. and she got. And she could not have been more happy because it made a big difference in her life and it was something that she would much prefer to do. We have other students, um, Susan mentioned earlier, sometimes we have students that have advanced degrees in their own country. Uh, We have an anesthesiologist right now who is working at the grocery store. Mm. English, and so she's working very hard on um, passing the, the test she needs to become, you know, a doctor here, or at least, you know, work in the medical field uh, as for starters. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other examples. We have um, a student, actually American-born student, who did not graduate from high school, and he worked very, very hard for many years, I want to say maybe five years, to get his uh, high school equivalent. Equivalency, and it was a very hard test for him to pass. And in the meantime, he had to work, and um, you know, he, multiple jobs. And he had an old car, and the car would break down in front of his house, and he couldn't move it. And then it would get impounded, and then he would have all kinds of fees to pay to get the car back. But then he couldn't get to work, and it was very difficult 
And I think, you know, a lot of our students face those kinds of problems. Um, you know, Susan mentioned some are working multiple jobs to make yes. ends meet. And yeah. it's difficult, you know. They're they're one step away from from falling into poverty. And so, um, anyway, that student I was just talking about, he got his high school uh, equivalency um, uh, degree, and now he is um, he started at community college. I believe his goal is to become a physical therapist. So he has work ahead of him, but he has not stopped. And, you know, in the meantime, he's still working two jobs, and um, but he's doing great. And he he took his tutor out for uh, brunch after he. Um, got into community college. So it's really very exciting. Um, so those are some examples. Other examples are, you know, some uh, parents, um, people who are parents will volunteer in their kids' school and become part of the, the local PTO. Or we have some students who come and volunteer in our office and help that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the local, we work very closely with the local libraries. Um, they're, they're a great partner of ours. And um, in some of our communities that are primarily Spanish-speaking, the library is a, a source of information, well, for anybody, but in these communities, um, a lot of the um, population goes to the library for help. And um, so the library often has bilingual staff and works very closely with us to provide English um, instruction. But uh, one of our students recently who speaks Spanish and has learned very good English um, just got a job at one of the library branches, and he's going to be the liaison between the community and um, the English-speaking staff to help uh, people move forward. Do you find that it matters what the student's native language is? I mean, is it harder for some people from different countries to learn English? What we have found matters is how much education they have from their own country. Mm-hmm. And we even get occasionally people who are illiterate in their own language, mm. and that's extremely difficult. Hard, yes. Like Amy said, if they didn't have the schooling, if they don't have the tools that you need to study anything, that, that makes it much more difficult. Mm-hmm. And you know, the other, the other difficult thing is if you live in a community where your native language is spoken and you meet with a tutor for one hour a week, it's kind of hard to learn English that way, you know. So, um, so, so that makes it difficult. So I think it's more a matter of, you know, ex- not, not what language, what your native language is, but more your exposure to English and, like Susan said, your educational background. Is there any work on the computer or on the Internet, or do you find that most of the students don't have access to the Internet? No, most of our students do. Um, well, many of, almost all of them have cell phones, and they do use translation uh, apps on their phone. Most of them do have computers. They do want to work on emailing, and that's often how we communicate with them, how they communicate with their uh, tutors. And then our tutors use the Internet because when they start to prepare their lesson plans, you can find so much on the Internet to help with that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, they are using. But a lot of it is just the most important thing is that conversation when they first get together. What did you do this week? Mm-hmm. And also the, the library, um, our library gives access to some really great um, learning tools mm-hmm. for learning English. Um, so we try to get our students to use those, um, and, and there's a lot of apps out there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was thinking about this story, I, I think so many of us have had an experience where we've traveled to a foreign country and can't speak, read, or write the language, and 
how isolating and overwhelming that seems. Uh, so it seems that many of the volunteers who probably come to you have had that experience also and so can relate to what some of their students are going through. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And, and you have to think about how brave someone is to come to another country, you know, and, and you know, try to, to start a life and not be able to speak or understand everything or anything. Absolutely. So tell me how working in this program has affected each of you. Amy? Sure. So, um, well, as I said, I, I love this job. I, I feel like um, it makes me feel good to know that, you know, our volunteers are spreading kindness in the community. That makes me very happy. Um, you know, I come from a family of immigrants. My um, father's side came from Italy, um, and my mother's side came, uh, they're Jewish, um, they were teenagers during World War II, and they had to, they were both forced out of their homes in Germany and Poland, and they met in a refugee camp for, um, children in England, so, um, they came to this country shortly after my mother was born, and they spoke no English, nor did they finish high school, and so, I feel that, you know, when I first came to this organization, I was looking to teach someone to read because that's what I thought we did here. And um, and I was really happy to find that I was teaching English. I also uh, studied in France for a year, so I was a French major. So I understand, you know, what it's like to be an immigrant from my grandparents, and I understand what it's like to live in another country trying to learn the language. So I feel like very um, fortunate to to work here and, and doing things that I really love and that are important to me and um, to help make the community richer. Uh, I just, I, I, it's so nice to see so many kind, um, generous, nurturing people who are volunteers and uh, to see the gratitude on our students' faces is very rewarding. Susan? <laughs> well, I can only echo that. I just feel so lucky to be part of this organization and to work here with Amy. And like, like Amy said, these are our neighbors. Either our neighbors are helping to tutor or they're uh, our students. And every day to just meet such wonderful people who are giving their time to helping others and our students who um, are so thankful mm -hmm. for what we do. So it's, it's nice to be involved in an organization where you can really see concrete help that you're helping people. And so that's what's so wonderful here. Do you correspond with any other literacy programs around the country or even in New Jersey to see what they're doing? I mean, is there any exchange of information? Absolutely. We, um, in New Jersey, I think there's 21 or 20. There's many other uh, affiliates like, like us. And um, there is a state organization. And um, we have meetings several times a year. I can always reach out to anybody that I need to to, to ask questions and um, bounce ideas off of, of each other. There's a statewide conference that we attend. There's also a national organization um, that we belong to um, that you know provides us with resources, has provided us actually with updated training for our volunteers. So there's a, there's a big network out there. Um, to, to get help. Um, the interesting thing is, you know, each county is very, in New Jersey, our counties are, are different. And so, you know, what we're doing here in Somerset County is very different from what people are doing, let's say, in a more urban county like Passaic um, or something mm -hmm. close to the city. 
Well, I know that uh, Marina Kennedy, who is one of your volunteers, wrote a wonderful story for Women Around Town about your program and talked about many of the students who have graduated and what they're doing. So I would just like to tell our listeners that they can go to Woman Around Town and find that article and read what Marina wrote. She wrote about your program with such passion, obviously. She's excited to be one of your volunteers. And Amy and Susan, I mean, I couldn't help but think about my maternal grandmother when I was reading Marina's story and then sitting here talking to you. Uh, She came from Italy. She never learned uh, to read or write. Uh, English, and uh, it was always a difficult time for her whenever she had to even go to a grocery store. Um, So if she had had a program like this available back then, I think she certainly would have learned English, and I think it would have made her life uh, richer for sure. So thank you, both of you, for uh, talking with us today, and uh, congratulations on running such a uh, valuable and wonderful program. Again, we've been talking with Amy and Susan about the uh, literacy volunteers of Somerset County in New Jersey, and we have links to all the websites uh, on uh, Woman Around Town uh, in Marina's article, and we will have them after the podcast uh, is posted. So you can all uh, go to all the websites for more information. They need more volunteers, so you can go to their page and, and sign up. So thank you both for spending this time with us today.